Like a lot of people, over the last few years I've started to accumulate a lot of portable speakers. I've got some blue thing, a grey one and one or two others and while they look different, they all have one thing in common. I start using it, things are going okay, but then the connection starts to get a bit spotty, the battery runs down quickly and I'm frustrated and I start looking around to buy a new one, a reliable one. Finally, I think I've found one that will end that frustration. Because thanks to Sonos, I've been using their wireless streaming smart speaker and it is awesome. Cool design, lightweight and portable. So when I move around my house from room to room or even when I go outside and wash the car, I take my Sonos with me. It's so easy to set up and charge and has a long battery life, which is so important. It means I can rock out all day without having to worry about recharging, which right now, considering how much time I'm spending at home, is great. Sonos works with all your streaming services and control is simple with the Sonos app. Apple AirPlay 2 or your voice using Amazon Alexa or Google Assistant while on Wi-Fi. You can also stream thousands of stations including live radio from around the world and original programming free from Sonos Radio through the app. So go to sonos.com, S-O-N-O-S.com to learn more and get your Sonos move today. Eye contact before marriage? Pfft, cringe. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, September 8th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us here, as always, Tass Mellis. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Tassie. We've got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey yo! Hey yo! We got the international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend. Mm. Last but not least, making the magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube. I know Twitter was down this morning, so I'm not sure if that tweet even went out. So hopefully, you've hit that little notification button on our YouTube page. You've subscribed, and you're joining us here live right now. Keep your questions and your comments coming for tomorrow's. Beach Steppin Podcast. Yes, on Wednesday afternoon after our daily show, we'll have a new Beach Steppin. Email them in, no dunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in at no dunks inc. Okay, what do we do here? Do we just rip the band-aid off first or do we push it back a little into the show? Let's push it back. Let's push it back. Let's start in the Western Conference. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, they lead the Clippers to the 113-107 win and now have the 2-1 series lead over the Nuggets. Really entertaining game. Lee, what's your big takeaway? Good, intense playoff game this one was. Uh, Really went down to the wire. The Nuggets put themselves in a good spot to win there with about eight minutes to go. They led this game, and then you saw what the Clippers are really capable of at both ends of the floor. Great defense, even better offense on the execution. I don't know what I'm saying here. I'm a bit rattled (laughs) after last night. But uh, their offensive execution was great, and their two stars, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, at both ends of the floor, throughout the game a lot, but really down the end there, Locked up the Nuggets on one end and then went out there and Kawhi Leonard was being a bit of a distributor on the offensive end and also scoring baskets. And uh, this is kind of the Clippers saying, you know, this is an intense game. This is a playoff game. This is what it comes down to. But they were able to execute just a little bit better and uh, and to win this game and take control back of this series. But Denver played a fantastic game. Nikola Jokic, I thought, was fantastic. But they are really missing that second punch from Jamal Murray, which they got in that first round series against Mm -hmm. the Denver Nuggets. And a large reason is because of the defense that the, the Clippers are throwing. And Paul George, again, he's, he was just great on him. And Jamal Murray just can't sort of unlock that flow that he got against Utah where he could rattle off 10 or 15 points in a row and, and sort of get his game going. Uh, and that's going to be the big question going forward now, whether or not he can do that. But given that the, de- the defense that he's seeing from the Clippers, it's just, it's just a, a better defensive team than the Utah Jazz. He's not getting those open looks. He's not able to penetrate as easily. And that is something that the Nuggets are missing now. Again, last night they got contribution from Porter and Jeremy Grant was good, but without that real big uh, game from Jamal Murray, it's sort of tough to see how the Nuggets will be able to, to, certainly to win the series. They may be able to extend it, uh, but where they are right now, the Clippers just have both ends of the floor. The Clippers have so many different options and different answers, and I, I think that's why they won the game last night. Defense wins, and in the playoffs, it came down to that stretch run and the Clippers locked them up, and then they went and scored, and, and the Nuggets couldn't really stop them. Yeah, it was uh, the Nuggets were up, yeah, like seven or eight points there, and uh, late, you know, in the fourth quarter, midway, I guess, or a little bit more than that, and uh, I was starting to wrap my head around Tassa. 
a Nuggets-Rockets Western Conference Finals. <laughs> I was starting to picture it. Oh, my God, that'd be weird. But, yeah, Rivers called the timeout, sort of calmed them down, and then they came out really focused on defense. They went on, like, that 14-4 to run. They took the lead and never relinquished it. So did the Nuggets sort of task? Do you think they sort of, I don't want to say blew their chances, but, you know, they needed that one last night. You know, they played really good and then give it up in the fourth. They win that one. They maybe have a ch- chance of taking this thing, but otherwise... Now they're playing from behind. They got to win three out of four. It's like, I don't know if the odds are good here for them. This one they absolutely had to have. They controlled the whole game up until the last few minutes. They needed their superstar to help them bust out of a 19-point fourth quarter. That's what Jamal Murray is for. You just absolutely needed him. What the Jazz did differently uh, than what the Clippers are doing is that they allowed Jamal Murray space throughout the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, They fell back on the picks while... Uh, these guys uh, on the Clippers, they press up. They definitely hop over that pick, and, and they're trailing. They're always trailing Jamal Murray because Nikola Jokic is such a big body. But they fight over, and they're a couple steps behind. I think all that throughout the game just helped sort of throw Jamal Murray off in the fourth quarter because he had space. He definitely had space. Again, Nikola Jokic creates space. Uh, he's Jamal Murray's going to his right. There's a, there's a window. As soon as he goes around that pick, he just had to rise and fire. Uh, but he didn't. He kept passing the ball, and that's why he had a bad shooting night, and that's why they lost. I mean, they, they desperately needed his points there towards the end, uh, and it was real, real close. The Denver Nuggets were so great in this game. I, I, I regret uh, not giving them enough credit for tying this series up because then they just continued into this game. Nikola Jokic was an absolute beast in this game uh, doing everything for his team and everybody was chipping in Jeremy Grant was chipping in but he just couldn't hit a couple of those shots that Jamal Murray passed up in the late fourth quarter to take them over the top the fact that Ivica Zubats fouled out in this game uh, it, it showed it highlighted the Clippers only real weakness which is playing big, just having another big man to throw at Nikola Jokic. Vita Zubats, I thought, showed so much poise in, in this game. He's been around the league you know, for a few years, but the 23-year-old is really just playing in his first playoffs here as a, as a main guy. And he had two fouls really early, just a couple minutes into the game. 10.30 left in the first quarter, he had two fouls. But he stayed in, and he fought Nikola Jokic throughout the game. And only even though he played... Uh, only 20 minutes they needed every one of those seconds uh, because they go to Montrezl Harrell and then they got to start doubling and those last four minutes after he fouled out I thought the Nuggets were going to get enough open shots because they have to double and they were uh, but they couldn't capitalize and so that's a 19 point fourth quarter Uh, I mean really it's up to your stars to make this happen and it was up to Jamal Murray and I just thought he had it but uh, but the again the Clippers defense and the way they play things the way they pressure him just kind of took him out of his rhythm and uh, uh, they just they just couldn't get there in the end but man um, it was a great really great performance yeah what do you think Trey? Well, I wanted a 12 inch from Nikola Jokic for this entire playoffs and we almost got it yesterday we got an 11 inch he came out he hit first and he was great like Tass is saying he fouled out Zubats he almost fouled out Jamichael Green he almost fouled out Montrez Harrell but then for the last two minutes he was content to hang around the perimeter and pass up open threes when he could have been taking them once Zubats goes out of the game we could have seen more post-ups Jokic has been a clutch guy for the Nuggets all season long I thought he was great last night I thought he had a great rhythm going but for whatever reason He didn't do it in the last one minute of the game. The Nuggets could have won this. They should have won this game. They played harder than the Clippers did for the entirety of the night. The Clippers really turned it on in the fourth quarter. I think Jokic could have won this game for him if he would have been a little bit more aggressive there in the fourth quarter. Jeremy Grant was missing. Murray was missing. Jokic had a couple of open shots that he just didn't take. He likes to make the right play. We all understand that. He's a great passer, but sometimes you got to use that boost and get a bucket. And I think that uh, the Nuggets could have won this one, and I think Jokic will probably regret not being uh, the man down the stretch. Yeah, Murray could have done it, but it doesn't seem like this is his series. This is a series where Jokic needs to be their number one guy. He was for the majority of the game last night, just a little short uh, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, what did you think of Patrick Beverly's comments after the game comparing Jokic to Luka, I guess, said he was, uh, quote, a lot of flailing. This is Beverly talking about Jokic and I guess sort of Luka too. Puts a lot of pressure on the referees to make the right call and then they Mm. relayed this to Jokic and he had to clarify what the hell does flailing mean, and then he's like, oh, nobody didn't know. They took a lot more free throws than us. What, what is he talking about? What, what did you think of Beverly here having to have, you know, having to get a little dig in despite, you know, a monster game from Jokic, like you said, 32, 12, and 8? 
Uh, Patrick Beverly would definitely know what flopping and flailing is, so I guess I trust him here, but the the Nuggets shot 10 free throws on the night. You can't be complaining that much about fouls. Yeah, yeah, all the big guys kept fouling because they couldn't guard Jokic for the majority of the night, but it wasn't sending him to the line. I don't see what the big deal is. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's, go ahead, that's, just, that's just Patrick Beverly, though. You know, he's always looking to sort of start trouble. Like, you go back to game two, why he got ejected, because he was upset at the referees for not calling his flops. You know, so for him to call somebody else out there for trying to embellish contact and create fouls and they didn't even get called is just ridiculous. So right. he, he's, I mean, he's a good player. He brings something to the table there for the Clippers. But he also, it's like Bill Simmons says about guys, he, he takes a lot off. Because you just don't know if he can control his emotions or if that's going to cost him or his team at some point. It cost him twenty five thousand dollars after yeah, the game yeah. too. <laughs> but but you know, like just that lack of sort of dis- that lack of emotional discipline at times. Because every player feels when they get called for a foul, you know, they're like, oh, I didn't touch him, I didn't touch it. But then they kind of move on from it. But he's someone who likes to sometimes just keep going and keep driving the point home to the referees to the point where it just becomes absurd. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's a good defender, but he he flops. He's always trying to embellish contact. So for him to call someone else out is just ridiculous. It was pretty incredible that he called out two people in one quote, too. (laughs) (laughs) He totally ripped on Luka, too, and Jokic. Luka's still in their heads. That's crazy that Luka Doncic is still in their heads. Great point, great point. Uh, One play that definitely wasn't a foul is maybe the highlight of the game, though Michael Porter Jr. did have a big dunk on uh, Montrezl Harrell. Uh, Kawhi's middle finger block <laughs> on Jamal Murray, just throwing it up like that. Boom, get out of here. Um, incredible, incredible. I couldn't believe Jamal Murray was trying to dunk it. I was like, wow, respect. Like, he's cocking it back. He's going to give this a go. He's been having a rough game, a rough series against all these defenders, like Tass was talking about. But Kawhi just denies him, and the photos and the videos are truly amazing. He blocks it with his giant hand first, but as it goes down, it ends up just being his huge middle <laughs> finger, and uh, you just don't see that often, Tass. That's a unique one for sure. You can't test that, dude. Uh, you just you don't see that very often, but it's Kawhi Leonard, so it's not surprising that <laughs> he's got the strongest fingers in the game. I think that's clear. What did what did Reggie say? We talk about the hands a lot about Kawhi, but what about the fingers or something <laughs> like that? Like, hold on. Yeah, hold interesting. On. Yeah, interesting. It's kind of like, is your face part of your head? It is. Just like your but fingers it, yeah. are part of your hand, but it just sounds weird. They feel different, don't they? <laughs> I don't think they actually feel different. Lee, sorry, what were you going to say that? Well, just uh, Brian Windhorst had it in his uh, article this morning, you know, how Kawhi described it. You know, he said, I was side help, so I stepped up and decided to contest the shot. And I seen at the end he was going to try to dunk and just, you know, reached and tried to block the shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I ended up getting a block. Yeah. Like <laughs> everyone else Great. was going completely mad. Kawhi, yeah, I was just playing defense. That's like, uh, I think I saw someone tweet this, like, Kawhi, for as dominant as he's been throughout so many playoff runs, of course, for other teams, um, try and think of, like, playoff Kawhi moments. And it's not a lot, right, for a superstar, really. I mean, it's, of course, the shot. I mean, hands down, Game 7 versus the Sixers. And then it's like, where else do you go? Like, what are, like, the, mm. like they had the big dunk against the Bucs, I guess. That was huge, big left-hand dunk in transition. What what else is there? I mean, this is like I think on the short list in terms of just highlight sort of memorable memorable plays, and this you know goes perfectly with Kawhi as the player and his whole attitude and everything. It's it's Duncan like. I mean, it really is. But uh, am I forgetting anything? Like Didn't you have a lefty dunk against the Bucks last year that was yeah, pretty yeah. big down yeah. the lane. Yeah, I threw um, that one in there. Another one I would suggest is when he was with the Spurs and he checks into the game and there's that shot of LeBron at the free throw line and. Like LeBron looks over at Kawhi and is like rolls his eyes like oh, this guy's back in. I think yeah. that's sort of a Kawhi moment. Sure, sure. And and I think in that same series where there's a timeout by called by the Heat and Pop is kind of like punching Kawhi because he did something. I can't remember what he actually did, but you sort of that was the moment where Pop was like, all right, this guy is a legit star. But uh, I think it, I guess it was on the defensive end, I suppose. Mm, yeah, no, there's not a, there's just not a lot though for a guy no. like a superstar level guy that's been in tons of playoff series. It's uh, he just goes about his business. Uh, filled up the box score again last night, even though he didn't shoot incredibly efficient. But it was playoff P, Paul. Uh, Paul, it was playoff P, Tass. <laughs> We're all discombobulated here this morning. This, this Raptors <laughs> loss has got us all shook, let's be honest. But he had an incredible game, 32 points, 12 of 18 from the floor, five three-pointers, and as you guys have sprinkled in here, I mean, he really completely shut down Jamal Murray when he was locked up on him, Tess. Yeah, he did a great job fighting over the picks and just being around uh, Jamal Murray. He fought a lot. Uh, and I like how he sort of forced it from the offensive end at the beginning, a couple of the shots. I think Kawhi Leonard... Uh, 
uh, knew that he needed his boy to step up at some point mm. because he can't be he can't be average Paul George. He can't be uh, you know mediocre Paul. I don't want to call him pandemic Paul. Looking for another P word that, uh, that kind par. of insinu- What'd you on, say? On, on par, par Paul. Paul. On, on, <laughs> on par Paul, sure. Uh, yeah, he can't. He can't be average going into the the Lakers series. They need to get him going if they're going to beat the Lakers. So he forced a couple shots at the beginning, and uh, he got into that Paul George pace, uh, pace Paul. Maybe it's pace Paul. That where <laughs> he got Paul. into that rhythm, that 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 slowed down, uh, smooth rhythm, and uh, he was unstoppable. He was really his best. Offensive game of the playoffs so far. Took till game three of the second round, but it probably won't matter if they get to the conference finals. They just need him to be somewhat like this. Uh, he was their their go-to guy on the offensive end. Kawhi Leonard uh, was, you know, he, he did enough, uh, but he's kind of average um, for definitely for Kawhi's uh, expectations coming mm-hmm. off a bad game. So it was Paul George for sure that uh, that kept him there. Finally, we had uh, we had a playoff Paul. I think we can call him playoff Paul after this one. Yeah, no, he was he was definitely playoff Paul. We can't call him playoff P. We have to give him the full name. I like <laughs> full that. Name. He was smooth though. That was the PG smooth factor there. I want to ask you this though, uh, Trey. After what is it? Nine games now. Three in this series versus the Nuggets. Has your opinion changed about the Clippers' chances to win a title here? And I ask that because, of course, they just go through the motions still for good chunks of games, and then we see the talent, you know, come out and the defense lock down for a couple minutes, and then they win this one. Like. What's your opinion on their actual chances to beat somebody in the Western Conference Finals, to win this series, to beat somebody in the Western Conference Finals, and then ultimately to win a title? I actually feel the same about the Clippers that I have for the whole season because you look at the talent, you look at the depth, the versatility, and the fact that they have Kawhi, one of the best playoff players in the game. They're probably still the favorite to win the championship, if you ask me, but also for the entirety of the season, like you're saying, they've been so up and down. They've been so non-committal to giving a full effort every single game, and Last night, they could have lost uh, game three, but they really showed up in the fourth quarter. They flipped the switch and started playing defense, and Kawhi started getting into the lane and making these little drop-off passes for buckets. Uh, And you see in those moments that they can reach such a high ceiling and the defense can be so good, and then they can obviously score buckets pretty easily on the offensive end, but the connectivity isn't there, and the cohesion isn't always there. They've had you know, load management and injuries and guys getting to the bubble late and guys leaving the bubble. They've had a lot of players in and out of the lineup for the whole year. And you can tell it shows, but maybe things are okay for them um, because I thought the greatest uh, advantage the Lakers had during the regular season was that all their guys were playing and they did seem to have a lot of cohesion. I don't necessarily think that's true with the Lakers right now. It seemed like they had to start over a little bit Hmm. once everything got going down in the bubble in Orlando, but I I don't know. the Clippers, like, you can't deny that they're one of the favorites to win the title, but you know there are going to be games when it doesn't look, when they don't look their best. And I wonder how much of that is having Kawhi Leonard as your actual leader on the team, having a guy who doesn't say anything. How does he fire guys up? Hmm. Yeah, what do you think, Lee? Yeah, I wonder how the Clippers will go if they trail in a series, if they'll be able to fight back, because I think they are a little bit fragile uh, like that. If they're, they've, you know, they haven't. Um, but trailed against the Mavericks. They were tied 2-2. They were tied here with Denver, and they nearly went down here. I think that'll be the test. Can they come back if they fall behind? I mean, they certainly have the players to be able to do it. But, you know, earlier in the season, remember, Montrez Harrell was talking about things in the locker room and things like that. And that's where I wonder if the Clippers maybe turn on each other a little bit if things don't go their way and they fall behind. But they haven't had to face that yet in the bubble or in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, if they make it out of this series and then they get to the Lakers, that could be a series where they are, are behind early. And, uh, and and then we'll see. We'll see if they can fight through that. Because there are certainly some times, like you say there, where you're like, hey, this team's really the favorite to win. Like, right. I, I, I just don't see it. And, and But then other times, like the way they closed out the game last night, you think, yeah, man, they're just, they're just so long. They're athletic defensively. And they've got three, go- <clears throat> three guys in Paul George, Kawhi Leonard and Lou Williams, who can get a bucket anytime they want, which is a, is a luxury to have. So yeah. they've got it at both ends. They've got all the ingredients, but you just wonder if uh, if if they face more adversity, will they still be able to stick together? Yeah, I mean, the truth is with this team, uh, Lou hit a big bucket last night, um, and we know he is, uh, you know, he can catch fire. Don't, don't get me wrong, but he's been not great. Montrez Harrell has not been great. You know, Jermichael Green is, like, really deserving more of those minutes uh, from Harrell, in my opinion. Obviously, Zubats has played well against Jokic as much as you can. 
the, the depth that we talked about a lot with this team has not been all there. It hasn't been that impressive. And maybe a big part of that is that a lot of these guys were gone and they came back and they're trying to find a rhythm of some sort. Maybe there's injuries that we don't know. I don't know. But that's that's the part where I'm like, oh, yeah, this team, like we talk all the time, 9, 10 deep. Man, they got two squads out there. I just don't see that. I mean, it's Kawhi amazing. Paul George, well, hit and miss. And then you're like hoping, you know, Morris is going to contribute. And he has, don't get me wrong. But like, I haven't been impressed with that task. You know, the, the depth that we always talked about with this Clipper squad. But that does that matter against a Lakers squad that is also lacking some serious yeah, depth? I think, not. I, I think the Clippers have enough depth. And the, yeah, the question of whether or not they have the chemistry or the, uh, the camaraderie, we're not going to find out until they play the Lakers. Uh, mm. Because uh, they're not going to have enough adversity after beating, after going up 2-1. We'll see what what their locker room is like, but uh, I, yeah, I'm with you in terms of uh, an emotional leader. But uh, emotional leader being emotionless <laughs> with uh, Kawhi Leonard and not really being able to be a raw raw guy. Uh, the Raptors got it done with a, a Kyle Lowry as a second guy, uh, and, and the Clippers I think can get it done with a, a Patrick Beverly, uh, you know, and their coach Doc Rivers. They've got enough raw raw, I think, and. Uh, and that's why Patrick Beverly is back in the starting lineup to be an, an annoying and to help out <laughs> um, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And we asked about uh, Paul George and having a, a sort of a, a mediocre nickname instead of, you know, the playoff P. That's obviously that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pandemic P is a little a little off base, a little rude. And that will go away at some point. So uh, we had some suggestions here uh, from the group. Passive Paul from Alvin Cacho. Very good. Not bad. Very, very good. Very solid. Curated by John. Pedestrian P. Ooh, yeah. that's good. That's, that's really, good. really, really good. Uh, we had a Pequeno P from somebody. <laughs> uh, <Okay>. Also, also <laughs> very. does very little. What about just a was... Lee P? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Lee? If he makes a reverse shot, it's called the Leapy. <laughs> the reverse dunk is a well, Leapy. You know, I have, I have noticed, of course, he shaved, you know, the primarily the bushy beard. So yeah. uh, maybe that's it. Maybe he's just aerody- aerodynamically a little able, more able to flow through the court a little bit better. Right. We talked about how smooth he was there exactly. in game three. Yeah. yeah. Right. Look, come on. He was a lot closer to playoff P last night. I mean, oh, that's yeah. an efficient yeah. 32 and down. shutting yeah. down everybody's guarding. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the performances we've seen before in the playoffs uh, yeah. just can he string them now together here is going to be instrumental in them trying to win a championship but uh, mm. we'll see I, like, I also like from JC passable Paul that's a good one <laughs> passable that's good, Paul, yeah. That's good. Yeah. okay those are all great suggestions good to know people are in the YouTube chats too I guess people found it so people did have that notification on thank you so much alright anything else to add from the Clippers going up 2-1 in this series uh, you know the Nuggets again. We're 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 not discrediting them. They've got some fight in them. I'm excited to see what happens in a game four. Jamal Murray does need to have sort of a breakout game here. He's got he's just got to catch fire, I think. Um, but this is a damn good Clippers team, so no shame in being down two one. No doubt about that. All right. Well, let's get to the beatdown. The Beantown boys are pumped. Celtics dominate. Pivotal game five. They take the three two series lead over the Raptors. It was really over after 12 minutes. It was at least over after 24. Trey, get us started from the Beantown Boys Massacre here. I don't honestly know where to start, Skeets, so I'll try this one out on you. Somebody call Newman because the Raptors laid an egg. No? Not a good one? I don't think you're, I don't think you're crushed. That's a Jurassic Park reference, but the Raptors were brutal yesterday. They were just terrible, right? They came yeah. out, they scored how many in the first quarter? 11, 11. points. They had yeah. 35 at halftime. Meanwhile, the Celtics had 37 in the second quarter alone. You know, the Raptors could have been down 3-0. They had the incredible shot from OG to save it, to make this a series. They came out, and they really took it to the Celtics in game four. It just looked like a letdown game. I don't know what was happening out there. Skeets was blaming me for not standing as as if my powers uh, are the reason that the Raptors actually showed up in games three and four. I mean, you're probably right because they didn't show up at all in game five, just like you didn't get to see my back at all. But I don't know. This goes to now a game six. And you know the Raptors are going to be better in game six. There's just not a lot to say. It feels like every single player on the Celtics played better yesterday. Yeah. I'm either uh, blaming this on you not getting in on the hashtag stand with Skeets because you wanted your uh, you know playoff prediction to come true or you were leaning towards that or Lee's uh, ponytail. Uh, that may have been the problem too. I'm not sure which one. But yeah, you're right. Look, I've watched a, a ton of Raptors games this season over the last couple of years. You could just oddly tell Tass right from the tip that the Raptors like their sense of urgency or any energy was just off. I mean, it was off. 
And then really early on, you're left wondering, as a Raps fan, you're like, ugh, can they just hang on here? Can they keep this deficit, you know, manageable? Because they can't hit a shot. Celtics are getting anything they want. I mean, it started with a wide-open Jalen Brown three, so here he goes. And it was impressive defense. I don't want to discredit the Celtics' defense. I thought it was amazing. It wasn't just the Raptors, you know, missing some shots that they can generally make. They were everywhere, the Celtics' defense. There was a damn clinic, in my opinion. Pick and roll, perfect. Rim protection, perfect. Scrambling everywhere on closeouts. Rotations tight. Always getting back on the fast break, so giving them nothing there. Cutting off passing lanes. I mean, Kyle Lowry got into the paint the one time. He's going to kick it to the corner. Nope. There's Tatum. Hands up. Just literally snatches the ball out of the air. They were amazing, but you know, you pair that with the unfortunate mix of the Raptors' inability to finish inside, especially Marcus Gasol, um, and you pair that with that rim protection. I mean, it was it was over in a hurry. You know, it was uh, it was a disappointing pivotal game five from the Raptors. <laughs> that, that was an egg for sure. Yeah, well, you're asking uh, Kyle Lowry to be that energy go-to guy three games in a row, something that he hasn't really had to do throughout his career. He, you, you ask him to be the motor, the engine, the, the, the score, the defender. Uh, when you look in years past, he can definitely provide one of those if he, give him, if he gives back-to-backs where he's going into the lane uh, and, and doing that back-to-back games in a playoffs. That's phenomenal, and he just did that. They needed other people, and, and I think the... The pressure has to be put on Pascal Siakam. And I think Nick Nurse mentioned Pascal Siakam for the first time in a negative way after this game because uh, this is the type of game where you just want to be able to give the ball to somebody to be able to score. And the Raps don't have that on the roster outside of Pascal Siakam, but he hasn't been able to bring that to the bubble. He hasn't been being able to bring that the handle pull up in your face anywhere. He's been playing a back-to-the-basket game, and uh, it hasn't been working. And Nick Nurse said... I'm just not sure why he hasn't had his rhythm here in Orlando. And everybody else is also wondering uh, why Pascal has not played to his capabilities. But when you have a guy uh, who sure seemed like he could just, you know, get down low, get down, bend over and just go, you know, side to side with that dribble and and just be able to pull up at any point. He hasn't been able to do that when you you just you can't ask Kyle Lowry to, to do it every stinking game. The guy just you know, had 20 points in the paint for the first time of his thousand game career. Uh, there, there's one team that's, um, you know, played superior in the series and, and that's the Celtics. And you can see how they sort of resemble the Miami Heat, how they're scrambling like crazy on defense, how Kemba Walker uh, is kind of resembling Goran Dragic in the other series. They're flying back to the rim. Kemba Walker recovering for a monster block. That's uh, it's just unheard of. And, and I think Goran Dragic is the same in Miami. And that's why... Uh, they're on the trajectory to meet in the conference finals because they're scrambling and uh, they've got a little bit more firepower in their offense. And if you want to get all conspiracy theory, I said it after last game, but when there was that wet spot on the spot on the floor and they didn't clean it up, uh, that was to get Jalen Brown hot. It was to have a Raptor OG and an OB slip and uh, call me QAnon. But uh, I'm just, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I'm kidding about uh, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown got it going. They just, they, they resemble to me the OKC's young days where they've got length, 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 and so much athleticism. And they kind of just out-athletic the San Antonio Spurs in that going into that 2012 finals. Uh, it, 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 or the, yeah, 20... 2012, that's right. Um, they they kind of, they feel that same sort of way where they're, they're all over the place, man. And they have enough scoring. So, uh, yeah, Raps got beat. They needed a, a Siakam game. Yeah, well, they went to Siakam early on the block on Jalen Brown, who, by the way, he hasn't been able to score on all series long. He waited, 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 tried to back up, and then he just dribbled the ball off his knee because he can't dribble. Mm-hmm. So, you, you can stop going to Pascal Siakam. It's not going to work that way. ISO uh, hamming on Jalen Brown. It's absolutely not going to work. It hasn't worked all series. I don't know why it's going to suddenly work, you know, in, in a must-win game six. But you're not wrong about Lowry. I mean, he'd been amazing for those first uh, in games three and four of setting the tone, and he, he just wasn't doing it there. Though, credit to Stevens for putting Marcus Smart on him as a primary defender right away, and that's going to make life a lot more difficult. And, uh, you know, it was really like Fred Van Vliet didn't have it going. Nobody had it going. I mean, it was, again, incredible defense from the Celtics, though. That's the tough thing is that if Siakam, Siakam couldn't score on Marcus Smart, right? We already knew that going into this game. That had been the case for the first couple of games of the season or the series. So Stevens is able to say, fine, Marcus Smart, you can go guard Kyle Lowry. He's been dominating in games three and four. He's yeah. been setting the tone. 
and that means that Jalen Brown is now on Siakam, and this is the number two choice, and Siakam still can't score on Jalen Brown, so it just gives the Celtics even more options. Between watching Clippers Nuggets and Raptors Celtics yesterday, I just came away thinking, man, Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard, what a great pair these two are. Kyle is going to go out there and set the tone for his team. He's going to make sure everybody's playing hard, and he's going to be the vocal leader while also still contributing on the basketball court. Kawhi is able to just go and get buckets anytime they need it. Mm. These guys were a perfect mix. I was watching the Clippers thinking, man, they need a Kyle Lowry after watching the Raptors saying, man, they need a Kawhi Leonard. But uh, I don't know. Game six will be different. You just got to hope that Siakam is able to get out in transition a little bit more because that's going to be where he scores. And Van Vliet and Lowry... They're just going to have to hit some crazy shots. That's what it feels like. They're going to be taking tough shots. And I don't know. The half-court offense hasn't been great. So do what you can to get out in the open court. Maybe we see some Terrence Davis. A lot of Raptors fans have been calling for Terrence Davis. Somebody who's a little bit bigger, stronger, and athletic. Somebody who can just go out there and wreak a little havoc, perhaps. Yeah, what do you think, Lee? What did you take away from this uh, beat down here from the Beantown boys? Well, Jalen Brown had a bad game four because he was in foul trouble and Pascal was able to score on him because Jalen wasn't able to be aggressive defensively. And it seemed to me that Jalen was like, sorry, guys, I'm going to make up for it in this one. And he did. And he had that huge dunk early, which really just oh, sort of man. sent a thunder through the whole arena. Everyone watching was like, this guy feels like he owes his team something, even though he's been a great player. And, and he just played that way. And then, yeah, defensively, he loves the matchup with Pascal because Pascal spends so much time sort of spinning and twisting and trying to establish a position. Jalen just waits for him to rise and then he kind of blocks a shot or makes it hard for him to score. And that's also what it is for the Raptors when you see Fred and Kyle Lowry. Like every three-pointer they seemed to take yesterday was like a deep one because the defense was just right there waiting for them. And, and when we're shooting from so far back, it's just hard to get going. So uh, if this was a very, very impressive performance from Boston, a very impressive performance from Jalen Brown. And Kemba and Marcus Smart was great as well. Marcus had one of those, uh, another one of those crazy plays where Fred was going for a, a transition layup, and Marcus stripped him and mm. saved the ball. And I think, I think Jalen Brown hit a basket on the other end. So like he turned a certain basket from the Raptors almost into a transition basket for the Celtics, and and that's what they're capable of doing. And uh, yeah, Marcus Ole again, he he's well, it's been a terrible series. He just looks so slow and so old out there. And, uh, the, and the Celtics, this pace, they're able to just bounce back with those young guys. I know the Raptors have got some young guys too, but it just feels like those Celtics younger guys seem to be just fresher. Uh, and, and when they got that lead, you know, in the NBA, we always talk about it, like a 15, 20-point lead in the first quarter. Like, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. We'll get this one back. Uh, last night, it was just like, no. They just, the Raptors, <laughs> I don't know what, the, uh, what they got it back to at the, at the, you know, at, when the game was still alive. But it felt like it was no lo- lower than sort of 20, 25 points there, and uh, it was like, oh man, they just can't, they can't get a, they can't get a string of plays together where they're actually like, okay, finally we sort of shaken loose here, and uh, Boston were great, they deserved the win, and it, and it sucked, it sucked because they're not, not, not the Boston one. I don't want the Beantown boys coming after me. They deserved to win, but it sucked because this game never got really interesting. It didn't, it, you know, that first quarter it was over, second quarter it was like, all right, and then you know, people are like, all right. Everyone, just sit your starters now. Like, get ready for game six. Hey, this Matt Thomas, over. get in here. Fire away. Yeah. And he did. Davis. And, and he did. Yeah. yeah, no, Nurse said after the game, they looked faster and stronger and hungrier than we did. And yeah. uh, there's no doubt. And even then, like, okay, you're right, Lee. Like, you know, like I said, you get down big in a game. You're like, there's a lot of basketball still to be played. You can chip, 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 chip away at it. Um, but then even in the second quarter, when the Raptors, they had like a really good defensive possession, I remember. Scrambling everywhere, picking up guys, make nothing easy here. And then Van Vliet just bails out Tatum with a dumb reach-in foul after 23 great seconds of defense, like on a three-point shot. It was like, why? I mean, it was going to be a tough, tough three from Tatum. He wasn't going to be balanced and stuff like that. So who knows if he hits it, but whatever. And you're like, oh, God, it, it is one of these games. Now, you said Marcus All. Feathery Marcus all sucks. Let's just say it, okay? He stinks because he had four somewhat easy looks early in this game, and he's missing them. So, yeah, the jump, or the shot jumper, he doesn't jump, but you know what I mean. The shot from outside is Brick brick City. Inside, though, he got a couple nice looks, you know, some pick and roll action. And Tass, I mean, he just, it's like he can't even hit a layup. I mean, it's and that's like embarrassing. One, because you're a seven footer and you got to be hitting those. But then it puts the Raps at a disadvantage because he misses this layup, and then the Celtics are gone, and you got numbers because Marcus is not getting back when he's under the rim. So, I mean, I wonder if Nurse starts Serge Ibaka, maybe even goes super small, which we saw in this game. You know, with Siakam and OG as your bigs, like 
I know Mark contributes in other ways, but he really has been completely outclassed by Daniel Tice. You know, he has outplayed his ass. Um, so I wonder if Nurse switches it up from in a must-win game six. I don't. What do you think about that? I'm not going to put this one on Marcus. All the team just stuck, uh, and, and so. Uh... I, I, he's playing limited minutes as it is, and uh, he was bad. <laughs> the rest of the team also extremely bad. It's up to the the, the, the guys who sh- shoot the most and score the most and have the ball in their hands the most uh, to to be leading the way. And uh, yeah, Mark Marcus, this is a very tough series for Marcus Ole. He definitely contributes in other ways, um, but yeah, Tice is he's faster. Uh, he covers more ground out there, and you know Marcus Ole sets some some sweet sweet big picks for Fred VanVleet. Um, but it's it's tough. It's a very tough series for Marcus Ole. Uh, all these uh, reports coming into the bubble about Marcus Ole being lighter and Nikola Jokic being lighter and James Harden being lighter, it's all bogus. I, I, I don't <laughs> buy any of it. Uh, just because there's one photo of Nikola Jokic in a jacket that's making him look skinny <laughs> come on uh marcus hair is long so he looks thinner uh yeah put it up against that photo when he was in memphis high school uh, of course he's gonna look thinner uh he's just old um and i and i love mark and i would keep him on the floor uh for yeah the limited minutes that he's playing uh, because if he goes to the bench uh surge comes into the starting lineup doesn't get the shots uh, Serge is at least getting the ball and scoring on the, on the, in the second unit, and you can count on him. Are you going to count on Mark? No. Uh, you, you can't count on Mark right now. So I, I think it, it, it changes the, the dynamic of that second unit, and they won't be able to score, mm-hmm. and Serge, Serge won't get shots. And, uh, well, maybe Marcus yeah. shouldn't play at all in this series. <laughs> you know, there are series where you just it's a bad matchup, and you don't have a going. He's not contributing a whole lot. I, I think Nurse will do something with him. I don't know what that is. Again, if he goes just small, like you said, to keep Serge sort of as a as the backup center. So maybe you try Siakam there. Well, they tried Siakam something at the else. five yesterday, yeah, they did. right? And he kind of got roasted. Like he did. Brad Wanamaker was scoring on oh, him at yeah. the rim. But oh, maybe boy. that's just the case of, you know, sometimes you have a bad game and you're shooting poorly offensively and then suddenly it goes defensively as well. But early signs of Siakam at the five were not encouraging. No, they weren't. You're right. He was getting blown by uh, defensively. I'll tell you what, too. I got to say this. Nothing infuriates me more than watching Brad Wanamaker hit shots. (laughs) (laughs) I can live with my man Kemba cooking us. I can live with Jason Tatum, 12-time All-Star, Jalen Brown. I love... It drives me insane when Brad Wanamaker, who's been playing extremely well in this entire series, you know, it says enough... Wanamaker on his jersey, enough Wanamaker, okay? I'm t- anybody to ask anybody in game six or maybe a potentially game seven score, and I can live with. I can take that loss from the Beantown boys. Not Brad Wanamaker. Not Brad. I'm John Brad. Mm. Oh. But he's getting those looks pretty uncontested, though, I those threes. And that's the thing. It's like, because he's, a, he, he's a, a, a young or an old young guy, if you know what I mean. Like, he <laughs> yes. hasn't been around the league for long. So he's, he's a veteran. And he's like, all right, I'll take these shots. You're going to leave me open and uh, and knocks them down. So, yeah, the Raptors just don't, like, Norm Powell's not giving them really enough. You know, and again, it's tough for Norm. It is tough to come out there when your team's down, he hasn't gotten into a flow, and it's like, we need you quickly to hit some shots for us. It's tough for him to do that. So, uh, but yeah, the Raptors, they're, yeah, they're just missing. They've got, Kyle's been great. You know, Pascal's had his moments for sure. OG didn't do all that much yesterday. Where's it coming from? Where's that sort of extra spark going to come from for the Raptors to uh, to, to provide the Brad Wanamaker? They just don't. You know, is it, is <laughs> Who's it their Brad Wanamaker? Need a Brad Wanamaker <laughs> yeah. at this point yeah. of the podcast, are we? My goodness, mm-hmm. who's been more disappointing for the Raptors in this series? Be honestly, Siakam, Norman Powell, or or Gasol? If I threw those three at you, well, Gasol for me. Uh, yeah, he 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 just uh, you know he's a, he's a veteran. He's never been super athletic or super jumpy. But in this series, you mentioned that Daniel Tice, who's himself, is just he understands his role on this team, and he is more athletic. He gets up, he catches lobs, he can hit that mid ranger, and defensively, he just doesn't get cooked. It, I mean, it, it helps when Marcus Sol just cannot hit a thing. Uh, but that you know that's what happens as well. Like you've been around for a long time, and and sometimes guys all of a sudden they like wow that guy just looks old now. It just and a bad matchup. I don't know what the Raptors can do, can, they get, can do to get him going. I mean, pa- Pascal, he, he has struggled for sure, uh, but the matchup as well has been bad for him. I mean, I think so much of the credit just goes to the Celtics' defense. Their mm-hmm. defense is great. And this is, remember, without Gordon Hayward. So if Hayward, who's back in the bubble, joins this team, I mean, they're looking pretty good right now, Boston. And, uh, you know, they're deep. They've got so many different guys who can score, and they all play defense. So things are uh, pretty well positioned for them at the moment. 
Tess, what do you think about this? You know, it doesn't matter if you lose by one or 20. It doesn't matter, you know, in the playoffs. It's just on to the next game. There's little effect on what happens, uh, you know, the next 48 minutes. Um, you buy that? Like, it, or, do you, or do you even think, you know, if you're going to lose, have your ass handed to you, you know, like to be embarrassed so you maybe come out with some fight in a must-win game six. So what's your take on that sort of, you know, you see that going around a lot. Well, I just think the Celtics had lost two games in a row, and real good teams tend to not lose three games in right, a row. So they right. came out super spunk. And uh, hey, man, save everybody's <laughs> legs a little bit. I'm, I'm 100% positive. After taking your photo, Skeets, you didn't stand for 48 minutes. Oh, because man, I switched up rooms, man. I tried everything last night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I still, you know, I, after the first quarter, sure, I still believed. But of course, at half, it was a wrap. <laughs> it was a wrap on the Raptors, man. You know, I knew Trey Kirby's photo wasn't coming. I saw, I, I, you know, you start to really separate. You find out who are the real Raptors fans because, you know, whole lot more stand with Skeets in game four, I'll tell you that, than there was in game five. Because people probably checked the score a little late and like, oh, geez, uh-oh. I felt bad, man. I honestly felt bad. You know, I like to consider myself a second half stander, a clutch guy. I like to stand, start at the third quarter, get the team going. Couldn't do it yesterday, obviously. It was over by the third quarter, and then I felt terrible because people started tweeting at me, the Beantown boys, thanking me for the support with the hashtag (laughs) sit with Trey. No, 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 no. No, 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 it's not that. I just wanted to keep it pivotal out there. Can't land my powers to either team, whoever wins. But uh, Skeets, I did get my Bargnani for you out for game six. The Bargnani's, the big guns. I wore it during the finals last year, and you saw what happened. Oh my goodness! Well, yeah. Look, Eric Smith. Uh, he tweeted this. Uh, I thought this was perfect. The pessimist says the Raps are down three two. The optimist says the Raps are only down three two, <laughs> right? And the realist says the Raps are down three two, but they could have been down 0-3, and this series could have been over by now. They still have a chance. They get game game. If you get a game six, then anything, of course, can happen in a game seven. But the Celtics are, uh, God, they're a damn good team. And I'm at to the point with them with Kemba, like. Their offense should just be Kemba isoing. Like, against this Raps, he can get any shot he wants yeah. against any defender, I feel like, on the Raptors. His handle is so tight. He's so, like, just springy right now. He's obviously, I think, you know, he's, he's, got, he's invigorated because he's playing in games that actually matter here for the first time in his career. He's just, I, I mean, I know he had a bad game four, but, like, any time he wants to get a shot, Taz, oh, I'm yeah. convinced he can, right? Yes. Uh, he really can, uh, and it was weird seeing him in uh, in Game Four. The way he only got nine shots. Um, yeah, he's great, and he's they're patient enough to say, "Hey, if it doesn't happen at the beginning of the shot clock, we trust you, man. Just dribble, keep gnashing, just dribble for yeah. twenty four seconds and get a shot." Uh, and yeah, this is uh, you know everybody rides the the guys on the losing team always. Uh, but Jason Tatum, even though he got to the line, didn't have a great shooting night again. Uh, has not had a great shooting night um, for a couple games now, but Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown uh, were good enough to pick him up. And so, yeah, it's, we just ride all the raps. But Jason Tatum is, is getting by because other guys stepped up. And when Kyle Lowry didn't step up in Game 5, which is understandable with everything he did in Game 3 and Game 4, uh, then everybody gets ripped uh, on the rap. So they just needed they needed the, the Siakam to step up. He's been the most disappointing guy for me. We're talking about uh, a guy who uh, is trying to take the throne from Kawhi Leonard as a number one guy, as a superstar guy. He just hasn't shown that um, in the bubble whatsoever. No, for sure. All right, well, we'll call it there. We'll see game six on Wednesday. We'll see who's standing. We'll st- see who still truly believes in this team and uh, – and whether or not we'll have to be wearing green hats come Thursday. <laughs> green hat really soon. But I'm confident. I, I'm still confident there's a Game 7 in this series. I mean, a lot of us were saying Game 7 right from the jump. So uh, we will find out. Okay, let's take a quick break and then we'll get a little Is This News. Trey. I got to check something before starting this ad read here. Lee, is football back? <laughs> Apparently this weekend it comes back. Yeah. This Thursday. Yeah. Oh, this Thursday. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, excellent. In that case, now is the time to celebrate... Football is back! As a Bears fan, I just can't wait to see Mitch Trubisky starting at quarterback again. It's gonna work this time. All he's gotta do is play with juice. I saw that's what the coach said today. He's gotta mm. play with juice. But uh, if you wanna play with juice, DraftKings is the leader in one day fantasy sports and they're putting you in the center of this weekend's week one action with over $8 million up for grabs across all their contests. To kick off the season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit when you use code MAZE during sign-up. 
and get in on the action now. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with the DraftKings lineup. It's simple. You just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Personally, I'll be pulling a Bears and adding Trubisky to my team over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. I'm basically guaranteed to feel the sweat. But nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at a million dollar top prize. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. So download the DraftKings app now and use code MAZE for a limited time. New users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and compete for over $8 million in prizes all across contests. Don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter code MAZE to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code MAZE only at DraftKings. Make it rain! Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Excellent. Football. Almost back in our lives. Can't Mm. believe it. All right, let's get to Is This News? I've only got one headline here today. Tass, I'm going to throw it at you first. Bleacher Report. The headline reads... Stephen A. Smith says Damian Lillard believes he and Giannis could win an NBA title with the Blazers. Is this news? It's a nice headline, Bleacher Report. Got us talking. And I think the answer is yes. Damian Lillard, Giannis Tetkumpo leading a team? They could. They could definitely (laughs) do that. And I know we're just reading into Giannis Tetkumpo having... Uh, a subpar series, a pub par series here in round number two. He's not pawn par like Paul George. And there is a chance that he leaves at the end of his contract, which isn't this year. He's got another year. So that's where the talk is coming from. Where is he going? Where is he going? Where is he going? And Stephen A. Smith found a team that isn't the the common teams that people are talking about, which are the Golden State Warriors, which are the Miami Heat found another sort of middling team that needs a superstar. <laughs> well, um, but I think this is clear. You know, we don't know what Giannis Tetokounmpo is going to do. I think this is clear. The Miami Heat are going to beat the Bucks this series. The Bucks are going to change their coach, unfortunately, for Mike Budenholzer. Wow. And so there's going to be a year where Giannis has another, a chance with another coach. But the roster is going to be you know, very similar. Uh, there's, they're locked into most of their guys. Ersan Ilyasova might go. He might play tonight. Uh, but I, the question is, will he sign another contract with the Bucks? Because, uh, you know, I think he's going to be there at the beginning of next season. Will he want to hear all the talk about, hey, you're a free agent in eight months. Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? Does he want the <laughs> Kevin Durant treatment? I think there's a chance that he signs some sort of extension this offseason just to shut everybody up so he doesn't have to deal with it. Even if it's not a long-term deal, he may sign a one-and-one one, uh, just to get people off his back. It'll be an extension. He can still get out of Milwaukee uh, if it doesn't work out in the next year or two, uh, whether it be with Boonholzer or a slightly different roster the following year because I think they're going with it uh, next year. That's the situation with Giannis from my perspective. He ain't going anywhere right now, and that's that. Great headline writers, though. That's that's, what, that's their job. That yeah. is absolutely their job. Stephen A. says it. Bleacher Report writes it. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, I think Giannis and Damon and CJ McCollum would be a good team. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't think that, you know? Uh, it's But, of course, when you look at the uh, Blazers cap situation, Lillard, I think, has got like $43 million owed to him in two seasons, and McCollum's at about 33 So they're already at like $76 million. You, know, you think Giannis would be demanding the max salary when he goes out there which is somewhere around i think 48 or 49 million by that stage so uh so hold on gonna... portland would have to trade cj mccollum i think to get Giannis uh, in this probably probably yeah. but uh yeah i mean of course any any two superstars together could win the championship yes i agree with that that's right. <laughs> that's not a big chuck uh but it's it's you know it's it's going to be a weird season for sure there with Giannis because I don't think he wants to talk about it. I think he wants to concentrate on what he's doing. And I think he does want to stay and win in Milwaukee. But he's going to just hear it nonstop. Nonstop. Every city he goes to, when they go to Miami, when they go to Toronto, when they go to Golden State, and the speculations is going to mount. So 
how he addresses it is going to be uh, interesting. Whether or not he's like, if anyone asks me, I'm just not talking about it. Or if maybe as Tass is saying, is like trying to find some way to sort of appease both where it's not the super max, which he's eligible for. Instead, it's something, I think Bradley Beal did something similar where he could have signed for longer, but instead he signed for a couple of years in Washington there. I think that was right. I can't remember exactly what the details were there, but uh, maybe Giannis does something like that. I, I don't really know, but I know that I'm not looking forward to listening to it all season long. <laughs> well, and then to put the impetus on the Bucks organization to either change their coach or make a deal themselves, right? There's been a lot of uh, rumors around, hey, could you get Chris Paul? Yeah. On, on this Bucks team. Is there a move to be made? Is there a three-team move to be made to try and get him in there uh, to pair with Giannis? Well, yeah. Yeah, and who knows? You're right. I mean, we're ultimately not going to know until we decide or see what uh, Giannis sort of decides with the extension, whether or not he even signs the thing. What's uh, what, What's your take on the headline, Trey, and, uh, or just the, this idea of Giannis and the Bucks moving forward? The Bucks haven't even been eliminated from this playoffs, and people are already trying to get Giannis out of Milwaukee. So get used to hearing it. He's going to have to answer the questions my question, though, is, is this tampering? Is this tampering if Damian Lillard says to Stephen A. Smith, I want Giannis in Portland, and then Stephen A. Smith says, Damian Lillard wants Giannis in Portland? <laughs> it doesn't feel right to me huh. that a player who's already been eliminated from the playoffs can be talking about getting another one who's still under contract. It's not like Giannis is going to be a free agent this year. Right. I mean, there's no tampering amongst players, right? They're allowed to say they would like to play with whoever. If this was Magic Johnson saying it about the Lakers, you know, LeBron and Giannis could win a title together. They're two superstars. Any two superstars could win a title together. It's different then, but it just feels, what a punch in the nuts for the Bucks, really, right? Like, they're having a disaster of a playoffs. Yeah. Their superstar is hurt for kind of the first time in his career. We're not sure if he's going to even be playing in these game, uh, in this game five. And they've had the best record in the league for the past two years. Giannis is going to win two MVPs, but just because of the way the playoffs are going, it's we got to get Giannis out of there. It just it's terrible. It's uh it's bad. Yeah. It's bad when the super when the guy hasn't even gotten his MVP trophy and people are saying he needs to leave. Yeah, that's no, you're right. You feel for the Bucks fans, with doesn't? I'm still convinced he stays. I'm still convinced uh, that guy is uh, is going to be loyal to the organization and to Milwaukee and just signs a massive thing. As I mean, I hear you on this like shorter contracts, the one on one maybe we've seen it before, no doubt. But also, man, wow, here is like $250 million plus. Like, here you go. Um, that, you know, you're set for life, of course. Your entire family, you've got kids now. Like, I don't know. That's not easy to, uh, to, to pass that up or rip that up and go for a shorter one, when especially maybe just when you hurt yourself. Uh, I don't know. That comes into play too when you actually really tweaked your ankle. But I think he's still going. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere, I should say. I think he is going to be loyal here to Milwaukee. And I'm just more intrigued to see what they can do to, to improve the roster. Um, and if it, that is just starting with the coach who maybe has proven to be a regular season coach and can't adapt in the playoffs, or is it trying to get like another star in there and what moves can be made to pull that off? Again, I think it would have to be almost like a three-team deal to really get someone you would want. That's intriguing to me, so we will see. But so I wanted to slip that in there. We don't need to go heavy on, oh, yeah, Giannis is leaving. We will just wait and see what he decides to do. Guys, I saw a photo um, the other day of a young Michael Jordan drinking Gatorade from a glass bottle, and it stopped me dead in my tracks. Yeah, I remember those bottles. I'm old enough. We used to drink our lemon-lime Gatorade from a 46-ounce glass bottle. That's crazy when you think about it, but it was a different time. We consumed sports drinks out of glass bottles and let our man bushes run wild. <laughs> Pubic hair, is it on you? Not anymore, buddy. You gotta get with the times and get with Manscaped, which is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. We all know about the Lawnmower 3.0, it's awesome. It has a ceramic blade, skin-safe technology, so you don't cut yourself like a glass bottle dropping on concrete steps. And let's talk about this nail kit, which is the perfect add-on. The Gatorade Frost to your Gatorade. The Shears <laughs> 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a true grit nail file. Oh wait, that's medium grit nail file. Regardless, I bet Jeff Bridges keeps to those two rocks under his dick bridge, nice and smooth. Yeah, you just thought about Jeff Bridges' penis. Not the first time. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. 
Okay, it's time for Tweet of the Night. Mmm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Okay, the only, only good thing to come out of this Raptors Game 5 last night was Siakam turning into the heartbreak kid. At Count on Carlos tweeting, Pascal Siakam <laughs> just hit Daniel Tice with the sweet chin music. <laughs> Pretty good form. Really weird. <laughs> Called for the foul. Kicked him in the face. Very sweet chin music-like. Shawn Michaels uh, actually enjoyed it. He, he, he tweeted here, I think, I don't know if it was late last night or this morning. Well, while I appreciate you've been watching my old WWE tapes, you may run into issues hitting sweet chin music on an NBA basketball court. And he had the laugh of the Raptors. And uh, our very own Trey Kirby also, you were pointing out how it reminded you of a classic, oh, yeah. classic <laughs> NBA meme there of Dudley taking it to the to the face. Both His pretty... face there. Oh, no, no. What a joke face. Uh, That's yeah. like a more extreme kicked in the face face than the guy who's getting kicked in the face by Shawn Michaels. Sweet yeah. chin music. He's selling it harder. Oh, that's uh, Ira, Ira Nubel with the boot there. That's Matt oh, Austin's yeah. favorite player right <laughs> yeah, there, Ira Nubel. Right. Uh, who is um, Sean Michaels giving the boot to? I don't recognize that. Oh, guy. yeah, the job. It looks, like, it looks like James Corden a little bit, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the guy who wrestled in a green track. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's I a mean, Beantown yeah. boy. The only guy, yeah, it is a Beantown boy. The only only person I can think of to ask that is a hell of a stretch. Is uh, Trey, do you remember there was like... um. They were like a, a fake tough guy group from the mean streets of Greenwich, Connecticut. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That? That Shane O'Max buddies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of, I don't know. Maybe he could be one of those guys for could sure. Be a part of that for all I know. Who knows? Yeah. If the people are saying fan, Kobe Bautista in the chat is saying his name is Mikey. <laughs> Just <laughs> hey, yo, straight Mikey. up Mikey. <laughs> his name is Mikey. Wow. Mikey. Uh, That's not Mikey. Seamus. That's for sure. No, 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 for sure. Okay, so that was the only good thing to come out of the Raptors game uh, five. Uh, the the sweet chin music from Pascal Siakam, for sure. <laughs> All right, Tass, let's look ahead to today's two games. What we got? Doubleheader, Bucks trying to stave off elimination against the Miami Heat. We don't know at 6.30 Eastern whether or not Giannis Tetkumpo will be suiting up. He's still mm-hmm. questionable, game-time decision with that ankle. Uh, let's go around the horn. Are we uh, finishing this series today? Trey, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we are, but I don't know. I didn't think the uh, the Heat would uh, have a game with low effort. You know, they played really hard games one through three, and then even Bam was calling them out for not playing their hardest in game four. I would imagine in an elimination game after already giving up the gentleman's game, it's over. But we'll see. Maybe Giannis is back. Maybe he's able to channel a little of rage into that ankle and play an incredible game. And Chris Middleton's able to recreate what he was doing from the foul line uh, at game four. That being said, give me the heat tonight. Mm. I, I'm also going with the heat here to end this. I think we do get a, a much better Jimmy Butler, Butler performance. But I will say, it would be cool. I mean, Giannis was a questionable going into game four, right? Uh, because of the ankle. He plays. He was incredible with 19 points in 11 minutes. And then he retweaks it and then he's gone. If he were to do that again and actually, you know, be able to play throughout the game, puts up a monster, monster line, and the Bucks could win a game five, things would get really, really interesting, I think. Uh, you would have a lot of people starting to convince themselves we could have our first ever comeback from 3-0. But I don't see that being the case. I don't even know if he really should play. Um, I know Vincent Goodwill had a great article up on Yahoo Sports comparing it, the possibility of comparing it to, like, well, look what happened when Grant Hill, Lee, back in like 2000, tried to tough it out on a bad ankle, and, and that did him in in the playoffs for the Pistons. Kevin Garnett is a more recent example, of course. We, we hope he can bounce back from him trying to give it a go in the finals. Yeah, you know, you're down 3-0. No one's ever done it. Maybe you just say, hey, awesome Chris Middleton game there in, in game four. See if he can do it again, and you just sit Giannis. I don't know. My gut says he tries to give it a go. I hope nothing really serious happens, but I'll take the heat to uh to close it out here tonight what do you think lee yeah well what you said at the start there is uh, i think the heat do win but i'm actually pulling for the bucks here tonight because i want that craziness i want that chaos sure. of people saying maybe the bucks can be the first team to come back wouldn't that change the whole story that means bud's staying that means Giannis <laughs> is staying and this is the greatest and so you know again there's no home court so if you're the bucks like you're like listen you gotta go out there and just throw it all lay it all on the ground do whatever it takes to win and put some pressure back on the heat. So, yeah, uh, yeah my, my pick is Miami to win, but I'm pulling for the Bucks tonight to uh, 
just to make this a wild series. And uh, that'd be awesome to see. It'd be so much fun. Yeah, no no doubt. We're looking for uh, the fourth of four com- Eastern com- or, sorry, Conference semifinals to actually be a series because the other three are series. This one, there's some hope. Let's hope that these guys can come back and win. Uh, but I doubt Giannis is on the floor. He did try and uh, you know come back in game four, re-injured it. I uh, just would find I find it hard to believe that he's going to do everything that he can. But at the same time, can you really put him out there again after after seeing him crumple to the floor? He's going to do it uh, as as much as possible. He's got Liam, his son, in the stands. He's going to be working his ass off in the back, uh, trying to get right. But I doubt it, and I think the the Heat. After being thrown off a little bit because of Giannis leaving the game, they they didn't see this offense without uh, Giannis, and, and they're you know just kind of took the foot off the pedal a little bit. Uh, I think they'll be ready for it uh, this time, no matter what happens. They're they'll have a bounce back game, uh, but probably the more interesting game, the second one of the doubleheader, because it already is a series. It's the Rockets and the Lakers. Rockets win game one. Uh, Lakers bounce back to win game two. What are we going to do here in Game 3? Can the Rockets come back? Can they bounce back? Trey, what do you think? The Rockets can bounce back. Uh, you know, their their small ball has thrown teams for a loop before, and I think it will continue to do, but it feels like the Lakers figured things out a little bit in Game 2, getting the ball to Anthony Davis and having him make his moves kind of right away and just being able to shoot over P.J. Tucker rather than waiting and letting Tucker and the rest of the Rockets load up. Um... The question is who wins the three-point battle? If the fun or if the Rockets are really hot and the Lakers are cold, that can be a Rockets win as well. We'll see if Westbrook's able to improve on his poor game too. But I think it's going to be the Lakers. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see another douchebag sweep out of LA. <laughs> Skeets, what are your thoughts on this game? Do we see a douchebag on the horizon? Uh, I don't know about a douchebag. No, I don't think so. I, I just fascinated to see what Westbrook we get here tonight and what the story is on Twitter and then what the story is here on the next No Dunks podcast. And either he was incredible <laughs> and attacking and, you know, making all the right plays or he was garbage and had eight turnovers and he took three threes he shouldn't have. And I mean, we just do it after every Westbrook game. So I'm fascinated by that. I also will say... I think we're due here in this series between these two teams. I think we're going to get a really, really, really close game here tonight. I think this is going to be maybe one of the best games of the series and we possibly get like, you know, a buzzer beater or some controversial call and free throws or something. So put me down for a, put me down for a Lakers game three win, but, uh, you know, some late game heroics here from like a LeBron or AD. That's my uh, prediction for this one. Lee, what do you think? Yeah, I think the Lakers go 2-1 up, but I, I sort of agree with what you're saying there, Skids. I think it's going to be closer. And if the Rockets move that ball around, if they fizz it around early on and start hitting threes and put the Lakers under pressure, that's the best way the Rockets can play. And then if they open up the floor, then Westbrook, it opens up lane. He can drive and be effective. So that's, I think, the key here for Houston. Put pressure on LA from the start, hit some threes, and then allow Westbrook But the to Rockets not... hit 22 threes. I know, but it's two, when right? they hit them. It's when yeah, they hit them, yeah. I think. Um, because they, they started off slow. They slept yeah. walk through that first half. But in the second half, which we've seen before, especially in that third quarter, the Rockets can sort of, you know, they can they can uh, get themselves right back into a game. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this game, though, in this series. Because, you know, the Rockets, uh, the, the Lakers deserve to be favorite. But the, there's an in there for the Houston Rockets if they, uh, if they play the right way for the majority of the game and not just for half a game. Yeah, I'm just a little bit worried about the Rockets after hitting 22 threes. That's a lot. Uh, and still uh, unable to win. Uh, yeah, I, You know, the hot hand theory, that's a real thing. They can just be hot again. Um, that's for sure. Uh, but I think the Lakers are now starting to play small. They sat Dwight Howard uh, last game. JaVale McGee got injured, so he played even less, even though he started at the five. Uh, the Lakers can play the Rockets game. They've got Anthony Davis at the five. And they don't want to play it for 48 minutes, but I think they're now they're getting warmer to it. They're they're warming up to uh, to having guys scramble. And I love watching LeBron play at the back of his own. I love watching old man LeBron after watching him young and spry, you know, years ago. Now he's he's an old geezer back there. And Anthony Davis, you know, just really threatening every Rocket player that goes in there. So this is definitely a, a fun series, and uh, I'm just. A little worried about the Rockets, uh, but I can't wait. I can't wait. I think Russell Westbrook will have a, a bounce back game. So it should be a good one. Let's hope so. 
Let's hope it's better than the Raptors-Celtics game five. That's all I care about. <laughs> Guys, we'll call it there. Send your questions in. Keep them coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. New Beach Step and Podcast on Wednesday, tomorrow, following our daily show, recapping those two games we just talked about. The Heat and the Bucks. See if the Bucks can survive. And then that pivotal, well, semi-pivotal, game three between the Lakers and the Rockets. So, you know, the numbers, the stats say you want to really win that game three, Tass, when it's a 1-1 series. <laughs> it's like 73% of the time the team that wins it goes on. So not quite as high as the pivotal game five, but... Very important nonetheless. Team that wins usually wins the series. That's, mm. that's what the stat should just read from now on. <laughs> right, right. If you guys listen to the podcast <laughs> on iTunes, game. please leave your boys a five-star rating and review. And remember, let us know in those uh, iTunes reviews whether or not you remember the glass bottle from Gatorade. <laughs> that's crazy, man. Lee, you must, you're old enough to remember the glass bottle. Yeah, I, I don't think we had glass Gatorade bottles in Australia mm. in the late 80s, early 90s, but we definitely had glass Coke and, you know, Pepsi and all that sort sure. of stuff. Yeah, and it is crazy when you think about it now, just how dangerous <laughs> that is. But you can still glass get, actually, you can still get glass Coke bottles, though, can't you? Yeah, 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 you can still yeah. get them, yeah. Right. I buy a, there's a nice um, raspberry Coke, actually, in a glass <laughs> oh, bottle. This man loves the flavor of it. Yeah. Delicious, yeah. I mean, Living in the land of Coca-Cola, just drinking in all the varieties. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. You got to take advantage. I don't That's know right. how long I'm going to be here in Atlanta drinking all these crazy Cokes. The raspberry Cokes just grow on trees down here. Walk <laughs> <laughs> it, pop it. <laughs> You're good to go. Is that the truth? There's a couple other variations they have that stink, though. There's like an, or- <laughs> There's an orange one. That's I can't not good. stand that one. Oh, it's gross. Love the raspberry. Love the raspberry. Anyway, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And uh, just wanted to shout out this comment in the YouTube chat. Mm. Apparently an Australian, Lee, who says, uh, yeah, we did have the glass Gatorade bottles, Lee. We did. Uh. Mighty Mouse 235 says, we had them, man. We're drinking uh. glass like the rest of the world. Well, I don't know. Gatorade just wasn't that big in the late 80s and early 90s in Australia. So maybe he's from a different genre. You know, maybe he's from the early 2000s. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know. <laughs> in the early 2000s, <laughs> they, they stopped uh, stopped producing them in glass bottles around like late 90s, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I just don't remember them. But hey, maybe he's right. Maybe I'm wrong. Lee Ellis speaks for all of Australia. <laughs> yeah. All right, I made that very clear. Embrace the day, people. You could stay.